Hello, everyone. Joshua Gilliland here. I'm one half of the Legal Geeks. The other half is the very talented Jessica Meterson, attorney extraordinaire. Jessica, how are you tonight? Hey, Josh. Feeling better after that intro. Thank you. Um, also feeling good because I just finished Agent Carter, which was amazing. So let's go fanboy and girl over Agent Carter because that was a tour de force of awesome. I wow. I I wanted to high five a buddy afterwards. It just felt that <laughs> it was just like this is fantastic. There was geekiness all over, and uh, this might sound like a weird liberated male, but her outfits never got ripped. She was always stylishly dressed. Uh, her hair would get messed up, and she would look like Kel. And it was not. You know, she didn't wear a skin-tight bodysuit. It was really respectful, and I really, really liked that. Well, you know, women's styles just in general, I mean, that's part of why the 40s are kind of fun anyway, right? The styles were very um, powerful, especially the women's, you know, suits at that time were really kind of power suits. And, of course, she had the fabulous hats and everything. And so it was, I think it's a good time. Um, it's kind of that Catherine Hepburn sort of very strong female role. And Agent Carter, um, Haley, I forget her last name, was fantastic in that role. Uh, Atwell. And it reminded me of my pictures of my grandmothers in their youth, in their prime, when they were kicking ass and doing their part of the war effort. It's just like, rock on. And so, because I was fortunate enough to have grandmothers who looked that iconic. (laughs) my, My maternal grandmother was a beauty queen. She was Miss Sioux City. And, and she was a school teacher and, and you know, German-Irish girl and kind of that short brunette hair. It's like, so yeah, rock on. They, they did a really nice job. See, my great aunt Ida is the one I always think of with World War II because she actually was in charge of a group of women. I don't know what the – I forget the organization, but they put together the parachutes for paratroopers for World War II. Wow. Um, my great aunt Ida smoked cigars, wore a wig, and after she was cremated, they buried her ashes in a whiskey bottle. So she was a pretty hard-charging, not really glamour lady of the 40s. My dad always loves to tell a story. I don't know if this is true, but one time a colonel came through who was supervising. They were for his paratroopers, and he came in to check the work that Ida and her team was doing. And he said, all right, he grabbed a parachute. He said, grab a parachute. And, he said, what? and she said, what are we doing? He's like, we're going to go test the parachutes. They went up, and they had a parachute out with her parachutes and after that she was a much tougher supervisor because <laughs> she never knew when she was gonna have to rely on one of those parachutes my grandpa as, as i've mentioned was in charge of b-17 production in burbank that's right for the nighttime production not everything but nighttime at burbank and he had this habit of like oh you're signing off on this aircraft he's like yeah well let's go up and so they were <laughs> Yeah, that was a great way to make sure the engineers, you know, signing off on the plans were like really, really positive, ready to go. All right, hop in. So it's like, rock on, Papa, rock on. That is the proper motivation that you need to give. And Agent Carter captured that spirit for me. Yes. It, it, the characters were very dynamic. 
because, okay, we have Peggy and we can talk about Peggy in a moment for just being the awesome kick butt character that she is. But we have all these male characters who are horrifically flawed. They're injured in various ways, physically and emotionally. Uh, they all have different levels of being misogynistic, but they're not bad guys. And so no. it, it was, it's because it'd be very easy to have a character that you just hate. It's like, right. what, a, what a misogynistic pig, as opposed to going, oh, he has redeeming qualities and he's been hurt. Right? Oh, it's, it's, it's a very well-written. Well, and that's how women were kind of viewed too, right? I mean, they do show what Carter, and I thought a lot actually watching the show, but like what a Sandra Day O'Connor graduating from law school had similar experiences where they only wanted to offer her jobs as legal secretaries. Like, you know, I kind of thought about from both perspectives, right? Men who just literally just thought that's the way it was. And these women who had to be the ones, you know, forging the way for women like me. I mean, the ones who had to show all these men that they were wrong and had to put up with all those indignities and being treated as just, you know, somebody who couldn't actually handle the job. Um, so yeah, for that, you know, and good and bad, right? Because I actually love Dottie the assassin too. <laughs> I'm like, she is proof of why actually all like secret assassins should be women because that is totally badass. And she can sneak into a lot more situations. The the stunt with her jumping down the stairwell. Was, oh, that was awesome. It's like, that was amazingly well done. I don't know how much of that was Bridget Reagan and how much of that was the stunt woman there, but it was just like, well done. I mean, just freaking well done how they, you know, how they did it. Yeah, it was fast pace. Yeah, that was cool. I can't believe, I don't think I've ever seen that before in the action thing. And I'm like, that seems so awesome. How has not everyone done that before? And that was the beauty of the show, that they were able to pull off some great action sequences. Uh, unlike Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where all the fight scenes were in the dark, these ones were <laughs> are well lit. And it's like, whoa, you can, you can fight in light. You don't have to hide the stunt double in shadow <laughs> and it's and they did it and like the last fight scene with between Dottie and uh, oh, Carter yes you know, where Dottie hit Peggy with a baseball bat it was just, yeah it's like Jesus it's like okay no horns this is not some like cat fight this is like brutal beat the crap out of each other and then throw the Russian out the window it's like <laughs> But she survived, and she's going to be back. Yeah. Um, I have to jump back to the men for a second, too. I was very excited to see from the very beginning. He was the my favorite of all the guys because he was one who recognized that Agent Carter didn't just have to be, you know, an errand person, um, but was Agent Sousa. And I loved him, of course, as Victor in Dollhouse. So it was nice to see him here because I thought he was actually fantastic. He was one of my favorite parts of Dollhouse. Um, and so it was very nice to see him here. And because I think this is the only other thing I've ever seen him in. So I thought he was fantastic. And I'm like, I hope he gets to keep doing more stuff with some of my favorite people. I really liked uh, Chief Dooley a lot. He was good, especially and, at the end. Oh, my God. And, and that stunt with like, wow, it's, you had him jump out the window and explode. I mean, okay, that's bold for New York. It's, it's been 14 years. Okay. And 
uh, it's like, wow, that, that took guts. But, uh, but he was dynamic. And sure, there was the touch of being misogynistic. But he also gave Carter a chance. And he might be quiet about it. But it was fascinating watching that, uh, him being dynamic in that, in that uh, uh, situation. And then jumping out the window to save his team. It's like, okay. Um, well, well, that was also in part the World War II generation. You know, you people did, you know, heroic things during the war. Like, well, I think people still do heroic things now, yeah. too. But I do think it is that soldier mentality, right? A lot of soldiers who will jump on a grenade to protect their, um, you know, their co-soldiers, co-workers. I'm blanking on what they're called, though. Uh, they're fellow soldiers. Thank you. <laughs> the, granted, it's not that we've stopped being brave, but there were more people who had the opportunity because of the scale of the war that we fought. True. Okay. That was a big one. That was a really big one. And so you had a lot of people who sacrificed themselves. Uh, yeah. The wars that we've fought since then, while every loss of human life is tragic and that's one more empty seat at Thanksgiving, and that's, that's a horrible feeling for that family, it was of a far larger scale in World War II than any of the subsequent wars that we've had. And the, in translating that into the show – you would have had a generation that was had seen that and, yeah. and was used to that sacrifice. So that, that's, that's my point. I, I wanted to convey with fair that. point. Um, I'd say getting back to the show, uh, I do love kind of the, you know, the references, the ongoing references to Captain America too are very cool. And obviously Peggy with the blood at the end saying goodbye was very touching, but I like that, you know, there's just that hint of it throughout and kind of, I guess how he acted as an inspiration, a little bit for Peggy, though I think she had enough. She was enough of a morally strong person, but certainly for uh, Howard, uh, for Howard Stark, he was a real kind of inspiration and motivator, I guess, to try and be a better person. Yeah, it would fall into the Man Crush Monday uh, yes. hashtag totally, <laughs> uh, and, and rightfully so. They they that was we found him inspirational. The Howard's hangar. I, have you ever spent any time in aircraft hangars? Uh, a little bit. Okay, and it's okay to say no. It's okay to say. I know. I'm trying to. I'm like small ones, but not big ones. So, because I come from an aeronautical family, there were family members who had crop dusting businesses and airplanes. Yeah. And, and as a child, I remember being in you know one of these hangars and, and seeing it. And I don't remember what business that cousin had, but it was a glorious hangar. Uh, clean, immaculate airplane propeller, and when you're a little kid, getting to go up and see it is, is neat. And uh, in Michigan, my grandfather taught me how to put rivets into a B-17 wing uh, in 1985. Cool. And unlike Brian Williams, that actually did happen. It was amazing. Oh. Uh, or Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure he's done it too. Uh, people on TV exaggerate? No. No, but he's also now on the news for a couple of different things. Yeah, yeah, it's like not okay. Uh, no. that, that being said, Howard's hangar was just glorious. And so. Oh, well, of course. I mean, it's, it's ultimate like man cave, but it's not a cave, it's well lit. Here's an airplane. Here's a classic car. 
I don't know what kind of permits you're going to need for all of that, but sign me up. I will figure out those issues. That would be... <laughs> well, and I just found Howard, I think we've talked about this before, and maybe it's just, you know, I haven't been exposed to him as much as um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Iron Man, but I'm so over Iron Man and Stark. So I'm like, you know what? I think Howard Stark is a much more interesting character, right? Like, he kind of was the, the genius who to some extent, is the evil genius who came up with a lot of evil things, maybe unintentionally. But, you know, he had the hard scrabble background and everything. I prefer him so much to Robert Downey Jr.'s character. I'm so sick of Iron Man now, but I'm like, give me more of the dad. I want to get more of his story. I like him. I think you should be careful with the word expose around Howard, given his womanizing. (laughs) in, In my blog post today, I I compared him to there's an uncanny resemblance to Thomas Dewey, and I don't know if you noticed that. And, and sure, there's no, I did not. Uh, Is that Dewey wins? Is that from the Harry yeah, Truman? All right, yeah, see, yeah. I'm like I know the name. I don't think I could pick him out of a lineup. So, so the Republicans nominated him twice, and he lost both times. So they nominated yeah. him in '44 to lose against FDR, and then they thought like, well, we'll put him up again to, to that run again. works so well. <laughs> And it's like, and you know, granted, he was an attorney, and he became a partner at a law firm. And they thought, like, oh, okay, we'll just we'll want his name on the door. He took over the firm, and became this. And he was already a kick-ass attorney to begin with, but went on a serious, like, dictatorial. Like that law firm was rolling heads and doing a lot of neat stuff. And I remember, cool. that. I remember that from Torts from uh-huh. back in the day with no there's the dewey model and <laughs> and that's what tom dewey did but huh. he has a resemblance to you know the fictional howard stark which stark is supposed to look like howard hughes and he yes. does he does he does yes but i don't know if it was just this 40s thing with i'm in business therefore i'm going to have the thin mustache and, and the hair and yeah but I love that character. Uh, having the flying background that I have, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, granted, I've only flown a Cessna. Being in an old warbird would be awesome. But that's well. What was his butler's name? Because he was great too, especially uh, by the end. Jarvis. 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 That's right. Duh. All right. I should have known that. It's been a long night. Um, but Jarvis was great, especially giving Peggy the blood at the end was fantastic. That and, you know, just from a legal point of view, I agree with letting the ladies stay in the apartment. That was oh. the absolute. <laughs> okay. And the fact that Angie's, you know, they, they, did, they did the Jeffersons. It's like, all right, we are moving up. <laughs> We're going to have a swinging good time in this wonderful place. Let's go. There's going to be some parties. Let's just. After a long day at work, I'm going to go to a, live in a place that exceeds my annual income. So, <laughs> rock on. It's, but that would be neat. Think I might that have, would be very cool. And, you know, you'd have a really awesome roommate with Peggy Carter because, like, nothing would happen. Uh, now, granted, there was the past roommate who got shot in the head. But uh, 
I do feel like on the one hand, like from a random break-in, you'd be protected. But on the other hand, you might be like taken hostage by bad guys who are trying to get to Agent Carter. So it's a toss-up there whether you're safer or not with Agent Carter. But I would risk it for that pad. Yeah, you'd be a target. You know, that, yes. that's the danger. You would be a target. But, you know, being one of Howard Stark's concubines would also make you a target. So there's a... <laughs> Just hey, girlfriends. Yeah, just you know, that's they're they're in a safe place away from Howard, so you know, he's he knows hands off. But uh neither one of them are gonna be getting a diamond bracelet, so that's a good thing. So That is a good thing. No need for that. But it would probably would be a good idea to have uh not the Magnum PI model for staying in that apartment, to have some kind <laughs> of agreement. And that's just just me. I'm maybe I'm old fashioned, but I would at least why don't we write something down? Why don't we write something down? Uh, what any legal, I mean, my big legal issue is from the entire series, uh, when Dooley referenced that he talked to the vice president in 1946, we didn't have a vice president. Uh, yes. That, that was one. Uh, my thought was at the end, obviously, with the Russian doctor, where he was imprisoned somehow with the headpiece, number one, you know, being able to put on that and look incredibly painful headpiece. And number two, I'm like, was it really any due process? Or were you just like thrown in this, you know, some sort of secret federal government place with no uh, habeas corpus rights or anything? So I have a couple theories on that. So we have war crimes trials going on. And we are hanging Nazis. They acknowledge that we are executing Nazis. That's true. That was right part of it. So we, we have this guy who's committed acts of war on U.S. soil. Uh, and it's not – this was actually a little sloppy writing because there were a couple of things that weren't clear. If Leviathan was taking orders from Stalin or if he took over Leviathan for the single, singular purpose – of getting revenge on Howard Stark. Right. I, I thought that was a little lame. They, they could have, a line or two could have explained if they were rogue or if they were on their own, but it's asinine to put the leader of one terrorist super spy organization with the mastermind from another. Uh, <laughs> and not only that, he's committed enough. I, I see that too. I'm like, he's a bad guy. Why does he have a roommate? This is what like isolation is for. Yeah, that too. That wasn't even a legal issue. That's just plain stupid. Yes. <laughs> he committed enough crimes with everyone who was killed in the movie theater and all the police officers who shot each other to be taken behind the barn and shot. Okay, we they, they could have done it that way. Or they no, but they should put him in isolation instead yeah, of going, you know who you'd like? We know this really horrible Nazi. We think the two of you would get along really well. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Who thought this Bosom Buddies episode was a good idea? This, this is, that was really dumb. And it would have been more creative if they had been like adjoining cells and were tapping back and forth. That right. would have been creative. And I know they were trying to connect how did Zola, the Nazi, get a hold of Bucky Barnes from the Winter Soldier program, which was Russian. Get, okay. Oh, I didn't. Oh, so that's what that ties into? I did not get that. So you had to connect that because or else how, how else would Zola have gotten access to Barnes? That being said, it's like there probably could have been better ways to have done that. Too so. ham-handed that way. I don't know if that was just rushed or if they went like, we need to connect the dots real quick here. I Yeah, we have 10 well, seconds. What can we do? 
And I say that uh, not having any ability to write actually a TV show or anything, but that would have been my two cents of, this is the plan? <laughs> uh, I, that being said, I, I loved this show. I really hope it uh, comes back. The More so than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they were on point legally. When Sousa tries to arrest Peggy, he actually states the charges uh, when trying to arrest her. So he's actually complied with the Constitution, which you, which you don't see in other shows about this sort of thing. So it's like, yeah, cool. Okay, you just complied with the Constitution. Nice. Uh, that's, that's a good thing. So what else, what else did you know about the show connect with, with you? I um I think you know it was fast paced. I mean that's kind of the, it's sort of the British style of doing things, right? Where you like six episodes or eight episodes as it as opposed to twenty two episodes. So it didn't have the thing we talked about with like Agents of Shield, where it's dragging at all. That being said, it would be neat um, if it came back to have something even sixteen episodes in a season where you get a little bit more of the backstory, and so it's not just a constant rush. I mean, obviously Agent Carter. I want to know not just about her in World War Two. But before that, how she got to where she, you know, is um, Agent Sousa, I'm obviously particular to. Um, so, you know, even Jarvis, certainly more about Howard Stark. So I, I do love all the characters. And this was very fast paced and a ton of fun and fantastic action. Um, very girl power, which I appreciate and love. But I would like to have more time to actually get to know the characters, I think. So I really do hope it comes back for another season and hopefully a bit longer season. And I would say it was girl power in a way that didn't alienate men, which good. it shouldn't, but that's good to hear. It's because there are some, <clears throat> I, I want to say this in the most diplomatic way possible and not, <laughs> and not look like a bad human being. There, there, there are ways that you could offend people. You know, if, yeah. you, if you make all the men look like horrible people, you know, that every there's zero redeeming qualities about the male characters and that they're just oppressive and mean. Uh, you, yeah. could lo- you could lose guys going like, why is everyone, why is everyone who's male just evil? Yeah. yeah. They accomplished something great with having complex, injured people who you could criticize but still like. And that was fascinating. I mean, it's just, I mean, that was really brilliant writing on, on how they pulled that off. And I do like all the little legal issues that they had in there as well, because I'm a lawyer and it's what I do. I mean, I take notes when I watch. Do you? No. <laughs> uh, so I'm alone. Um, you are. Uh, I'm all alone here. But yeah, I, I take notes when I watch. <laughs> You know, whether it's, you know, you know, the music that they had in the background, that sort of thing, or the legal issues that jump out, uh, which makes blogging about them easier afterwards. That is true. And that's why you were the number one legal geek. Yeah. But uh, we are a team. We team. are. Thank you. So. But it was good. So please, please bring it back. And in April, we'll be talking about Daredevil. And since Ooh. he's, since Daredevil is a lawyer, that should give us far more wiggle room than agents of uh, shield and agent Carter has in the past. So let's, let's, uh, let's get ready for that. Well, 
Jess, uh, for those who don't know, it's late where we are. And uh, <laughs> Jess, thank you for your insight as always. Thank you, Josh, for yours. And everyone, stay geeky, America. Stay geeky.